But, you know, when we talk about stand firm then, you know, in, in our session, we talked about navigating our and then. Because every day we wake up with a and then, don't we? Yeah, yeah. And um, one of the things that we can never neglect is the fact that God wants us to have strong foundations. Yeah. And one of the most core foundations that we have is our home. Now, our homes look different in different seasons. You know, sometimes um, it, it, people have said that being single in the church feels like you are different. But we have to remember that single is our natural state and married is the anomaly. <laughs> right? Because yeah. we're all born single mm-hmm. and most of us will die single. Mm-hmm. And somewhere along the way, some of us will engage in this intentional commitment called marriage. So everything that we're talking about today, it applies to every home, no matter what your home looks like. If your home looks like you and your amazing children, then it applies to you. If your home looks like you and your spouse and no kids, it applies to you. If it just is you, it applies to you because we're all supposed to live in intentional, committed relationships. And it's never just about us in our home, and yet at the same time, our home is so important. Absolutely. And so we just want to take a, a few moments and just talk about some of these important, uh, important foundations. Um, and as we begin to, to move forward, we always have to start on the inside. You know, some of the things that have our attention are... Uh, are the, the you know some of the problems, some of the things that we're facing, some of the maybe the difficult people, you know, maybe you've got a, a difficult uh, in-law or a difficult boss or a difficult, and, and those people get our attention. And many times what can happen is we can begin to blame our quality of life on other people. We can begin to blame where we are on somebody else. And the reality of it is is we always have to begin with ourselves. We have to make sure that ourselves uh, are, are, are in the right place. And so whenever Jesus said, hey, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Um, he, he said that for a reason because he wanted you to know that there's going to be trouble. There's going to be trouble in your life. There's going to be trouble in the world. There's going to be trouble in your workplace. But he said, but in me, you can have peace because I have overcome the world. So that means it doesn't matter what's going on around you. That doesn't have to affect what is in you. So I can continue to live in a state of peace and in a, in a state of stability no matter what is happening around me because I'm taking care of me. And it doesn't matter what my boss says. It doesn't matter what my in-laws are saying. It doesn't matter what's happening around me. I'm not going to put my focus and attention on them because my focus and attention is on Christ, and then it is on me, and out of me comes my intention on everybody that is around me. But it has to start in ourselves. We will never get to a place of, of happiness, until you are happiness until you are happy with you. If you don't love you, you'll never love your life. It's impossible. Until you are content with yourself and who God created you to be and who he made you to be, until you are there, don't worry about finding happiness and bliss in your life. You can go around and you can, I mean, you can live in the most beautiful place in the world. You can live on the most beautiful beach in the world, be surrounded by the greatest food in the world. And if you are not happy here, you will not find meaning there. So as we start talking about these important relationships, know that the most important relationship is the one that you have with yourself. And if if you are not kind to yourself, you can't be kind to somebody else. 
If you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody else. If you don't, if you don't have joy yourself, you can't expect somebody else to bring you joy because it all has to happen internally, and it always starts with you. And so you, and we say it all the time here, you know, before you can lead somebody else, you have to understand that you lead the most important person that you lead every day, and that is yourself. You are leading yourself. And so we have to ask ourselves, where are we leading ourselves on this journey of life? Because we're trying to build a family, and we're trying to build a healthy marriage, and we're trying to build healthy children. But if I am not healthy, the disease that is in me is going to affect everything else. If I am not happy with myself and content with who I am, if I am not there, then everything is going to cloud my my marriage. It's going to cloud my relationship with my children. And so in relationship, if we're going to stand on a great foundation, it always starts with the relationship we have with ourselves. Absolutely. You know, and there's a lie that says that our spouse is going to make us happy. And I think so many times it, it happens like this. We're single and we're unhappy, and so we get married because we want somebody to make us happy. Then we get into marriage and we're still unhappy. You're doubly unhappily unhappy. Yeah. <laughs> then we, we get into marriage and, and we aren't happy, and so we say let's have kids because kids will add something to our life. Something's missing. So let's, let's get kids, and they're going to make us happy. Did you know? That statistically, for every additional child you have in your 30s, you will be that proportion more unhappy than your fellow people in their 30s. <laughs> but in your 50s, it starts doubling your happiness. And that's the way that it works in the kingdom of God, is we work now for what's coming. Right? We live a long-term life. We do investment now, and, and, and in this instantaneous world where it's like, okay, I'm going to get married, and then I'm going to be happy. I'm going to have kids, and then I'm going to be happy. I'm going to do something, and I'm happy. It's hard to remember that it's about leaning into Jesus, and it's about sacrificing, and then we find meaning and happiness, right? So when we lay down ourselves, when we lay down our rights, when we lay down our identity, when we lay down all of these things, then we are able to be birthed anew and, and we find what we were looking for all along. It's just what Jesus said. He said those who try to save their life will lose it, right? Yeah. Because you have to lay down your life in order to save it. You know, and things, things get into our, our lingo and our vocabulary, and, and we understand it is, but, you know, we talk about my better half, my better half. Well, that makes us feel like we're, we're half, but let me tell you, you better be a whole person. You better bring your whole into the marriage because if you're half, when you come into the marriage and you think that uh, that other half is going to fill you up, it's not going to be there. You better be a whole person. You better be stable and you better be strong and you better understand that I've got to take care of, of myself so that whenever I come into this marriage, I can be everything she needs me to be because I can't be half because she, she, uh, she needs a whole <laughs> You understand what I'm I saying? I need a whole lot. You need a whole lot of help, okay? And so I can't bring a half of me into this thing and expect this marriage to work. I have got to bring 100% a whole heart, a whole attitude, a whole mind. I've got to bring whole habits. I've got to bring all of this into the marriage so that we can begin to, to, to have the marriage that we really need to have to, to really to move forward and to have the life that we want. And so if we understand that the most, important, the most important thing is that we are healthy and that we are whole, 
that we understand that that's going to take a lot of work. Because you come to church once a week or come to church once a month, whatever it is, and, and because you show up on some occasional Wednesday nights to feel like, oh, well, it's going to be taken care of. That's going to be all the work that I need. That is never going to be enough. If you want to be who God created you to be, it's going to cause you to work on you every single day. And if you want the marriage that God created you to live in, it's going to take work Every single day. I can love destiny with all of my heart, but if I'm, if I'm not working every day, I will not maximize our marriage. I can, I, can, I can have three beautiful girls, but if I'm not working every single day to be the best dad that I can and to raise them in the right way, it is not going to work out the way that I want it to because it always takes work for it to work out the way that we really desire it to work out. And so we have to see that, man, if, I, if I'm going to be who I I need to be it's going to take work it's not just going to happen and that's why we have the house habit here that says we grow intentionally because I want to grow and I'm not going to grow just because I'd like to grow just because I want to grow just because I think the growing would be a good idea no the only way we grow is when we put the time and effort and energy in order to grow so that we can be everything that we need to be so we can be everything our spouse needs us to be absolutely you know right now we're in a series on Sundays of we, you reap what you sow and so many times we, we kind of go, oh, that must be a money message. Well, yeah, but it also is a lot of other things, right? Yeah, right. And, and what, you, what you sow into your relationships, what you sow into yourself, your inputs matter. And we can't neglect that. We can't think that if we spend 15 hours a week allowing the world to tell us their story through television and radio and whatever, and we spend 15 minutes a week allowing ourselves to get into God's story, that it's not going to matter. It's going to matter. We reap what we sow. There's, there's, um, this is not in the Bible, but there's a business saying that says, if you will take care of your business when you can't take care of your business, your business will take care of you. And this is the way I feel about marriage, is if you will invest into your marriage, and if you will sow into your marriage, then in that season where you just don't have anything to give, your marriage will start to take care of you. Your relationships will take care of you. Your community will take care of you. But what's happened so many times is people don't sow into community. They don't sow into intentional relationships. They're too busy to be in a group. They're too busy to serve. They're too busy to do whatever and they hit a crisis point in their life and they're like well where's everybody for me well you reap what you sow and it's not that people don't care and it's not that God won't send somebody and it's not that there can't be something supernatural but there is a law of reaping and sowing that exists in the world and it exists in our relationships and if and if we're going to build if we're going to build healthy families and healthy homes then there have to be some non-negotiables and 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 for me one of those non-negotiables is 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 peace it's, it's a non-negotiable. In the women's session, Miss um, Gale talked about how um, God, Jesus has given us his peace, and she's not going to give it back. Well, you know what? We have to intentionally create an atmosphere of peace in our home. 
We have to intentionally create that. There's some handles. You can do some simple things. You can play praise and worship music in your house. You can just make sure that you get rid of as much stuff as you can. Sometimes just the clutter of the things that have invaded our life, the pull of materialism can bring such chaos to our minds. It's so important that we cultivate peace, that we sow peace. But in the way that we deal with our husband and our wife and our children, you know, the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. Well, you know what? If you want peace in your home, you're going to have to choose to sow some soft answers. You're going to have to choose to sow some submit yourself one to another. You're going to have to choose to sow some things into the atmosphere of your home so that when you walk in, it is a place of refuge and it's not a place that you want to run from to get to work. We don't want our kids to run to school, right? We don't want our spouse to run to work. We want to create an atmosphere of peace in our home. And that has to be a non-negotiable for a firm foundation. And peace in your home also comes from peace on the inside. When you have peace on the inside, it's a lot easier to create that environment. But this is what's great, is when you've created that environment, it's a lot easier to stay in peace. It's this beautiful circle that just keeps happening. So as we talk about moving into our and then, let's set ourselves up for success. Let's make sure that we have hold of our non-negotiables. Yeah, and then another non-negotiable that, that we have is, uh, is bad attitudes. We have a, there's a non-negotiable in our house on bad attitudes. You know what that's the, the hardest on? It's not hardest on the kids. It's hardest on me and destiny. Because you can't allow yourself to do something that you don't want them to do. So I can't get disappointed and get angry and walk off and rah, whatever and, and say what I want to say and then walk away and have a bad attitude because then Carolina Lee at five years old is, is whenever she has a bad attitude, she's going to say, well, but, but, but dad does it. We can't, you can't do that. It's a non-negotiable. And so whenever we're in that moment and we want to have a bad attitude, we have to constantly remind one another, hey, we, that, that's not us. That's not, that's not the life that we want to live. That's not the example that we want to set. We, we got to make sure that our attitudes are always in line with who we want to be, that our responses are always in line with who we want to be. And can I just tell you that marriage, man, ma marriage, yeah. marriage, <laughs> marriage is good is God's daily evaluator of your Christianity. Amen. That's what it is. It is your daily evaluator of how good of a Christian are you. Because Jesus said, love your enemy. And sometimes you got to put it into practice. When God says that you got to speak kind, Soft answer. Right. When God, when you begin to really work through, the, whenever you don't get offended and you forgive. When you forgive about the shoes out in the living room. They're not, They're not going anywhere. I mean, somebody thought I was joking the other day. They came to our house. There were seven pair in the living room that day when they came over. I'm not kidding. They're not mine. They're hers. I just forgive. I see the shoes, and it just brings me back to the foot of the cross once again. God, I forgive her for this sinful lifestyle. But marriage, man, marriage is such a wonderful evaluator of our Christianity. It's like God just said, okay, I want to make you more like me, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you in the house with another human being and make you be committed to them. 
And if you live that out, what it's going to do, it's going to be iron sharpening iron. It's going to begin to rub some of the ungodliness off of you, rub some of the anger off of you, rub some of the selfishness off of you, rub some of the greed off of you. It's going to rub, it's going to start rubbing some of those things, and it might hurt a little bit, and, and it might be a little difficult, but I can tell you, if you will submit to the process of working on your marriage, what you're going to end up with is you're not just going to end up with a great marriage, you're also going to end up being a great Christian. You're going to be a great follower of Christ because that's what, that's what marriage will do. And so when we talk about these non-negotiables, what are we talking about? We're talking about becoming better Christians. That's right. Having peace in our home, that's about Christ. That's about Christ being in our heart. We're talking about not having a bad attitude. That's, that's Philippians chapter 2. Your attitude, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. It's just us using one another to create this, this attitude that we want to have in our home and these attitudes that we want in our hearts because it's, it's making us more and more like Jesus. And you know, letting off steam is just an adult word for throwing a fit. Yeah, yeah. Can we just be real for a minute? Yeah. I mean, you know, your Facebook rant looks about as cool as your two-year-old throwing themselves on the floor and banging their head against the carpet. Come on now. Come on. That's about how mature it is. Mm, 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 mm. And in the words of my little girl, Carolina, it's unacceptable. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. You know, marriage, parenthood. Parenthood. It's not. This is the thing. Is that the enemy will try to convince you that your spouse is the enemy. Yeah. Right? That's right. That's right. But it's not about mm. your spouse and it's not about your kids who are trying to take your sanity. <laughs> right? It's not about your boss. It's not about your sister. It's not about your mom. It's not about yeah. your dad. It's about you and Jesus yeah. and whether you're going to choose his way or you're going to choose on. the way of the Come flesh, the world, and the devil. Mm, mm, right? Mm, 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 mm. Are we going to choose his way? Mm. You know, it sounds really good to say, I will take up my cross every day. I will mail my coffin to Africa, and I will serve the Lord forever. I will go down to South America and give my life away. But can you get up and serve that man who was ugly to you last night? Ooh, come on, come on, come on. Can you get up mm. and be loving to that child who spoke with harshness and who is so ungrateful, my Lord? Mm, 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 mm. Right? Yeah, that's it. Are we willing to do it God's way? Yeah. Are we willing to do it God's way? And, and you know, we talked about non-negotiables, peace. Bad attitudes. Another non-negotiable is love. 1 Corinthians 13 will wreck your life if you let it. I don't even know why people put it on posters and put it in their house. I'm like, did you read that? I mean, it says you can be the smartest person in the world, but without love, you don't make a connection and you don't matter. It, can, it says that if you give all your stuff to the poor... And give your body to be burned. Mm. And you don't have love. Mm. That it doesn't make a difference. Mm. And then it defines love for you just in case you wanted to get wishy-washy with it. It bears all things. Mm. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Mm. Mm. You know, it's funny. I, I, I counsel people and sometimes they'll say, well, God... God certainly intends for me to be happy. And I say, no, no, God, actually, no. Mm, mm, mm. 
Now, look, a byproduct of following Jesus is happiness in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But no. Mm -hmm. And by the way, your kids don't care if you're happy. I have had more people tell me that they are going to leave their spouse because their child deserves to have a happy parent. And I'm like, Where, when did you think that your kid thought that, they, I mean, even cares? They don't care. Wow. They do not care if you are happy. Not even this wow. much. Wow. If they cared if you were happy, they would not do any of the things they do. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. They do care if you're secure. They do care if you're there. They do care if you're committed. They do care if you're strong. They do care if you have faith. They do care if you discipline them or not. Do you know when kids feel the most loved? It's not when you're happy, but when you get down and you say, I will not tolerate this behavior anymore. I am drawing a line in the sand, and I'm about to make you so secure that you hate it. That's when they feel loved. That's right. That's right. That's right. But love, it's a non-negotiable. We have to love our spouse. This is something that Philip and I talk about a lot because we're both tempted to believe certain things about the other that are not very loving. Mm -hmm. And we have to fight against those beliefs, don't we? That's right. Yeah. You know, my, my biggest thing is Destiny will have to remind me, hey, I'm, I'm on your team. I'm on your team. When I start feeling like she's not on my team, I want to turn against her. I want to play the game by myself because I'm like, that's fine. If you're not going to play on my team, my team's still going to win, and I'm going to still find a way, and I'm going to still make it happen, and I'm going to go out there, and I'll, I'll do whatever. I'll, I'll raise his kids by myself, and I'll do everything. I'll, 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 but I'm going to get it done. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to turn back. I've come too far now. Ah, I'm going to do it. You know, and that's how I feel in my heart. Because I feel like if you don't want to play on my team, oh, that's fine. If you don't want to play on the winning team, that's cool. I start feeling like she's not on my team. And Destiny has to remind me because now she knows from some of my behaviors and some of the words that I can say that, she's, that I'm starting to feel like she's not, she's not on my team. And she just stops me and she just reminds me, hey, I want you to remember, I'm on your team. We're wearing the same uniform. We're wearing the same color jerseys. And, I, and, and we're playing this game together. And so for, for me, that's, that's the reminder that I always need that says, okay, okay, you're right. My perspective got off. I was, con- I, I, was, I was tempted to believe that you were actually trying to defeat me, that you were actually trying to hold me back, that you were actually trying to be a hindrance to me, that you were trying to be a roadblock to me, but that's not true at all. Actually, you are my greatest asset. You are, you, you, are, you are the key player on my team. You are my MVP. You are the VIP. You are the person standing right beside me, and I need to know that you are on my team so that we can move the ball down the field. And that's all she has to say is, I'm on your team. And for me, if I feel like I'm disapproved of, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done with you. I'm done with everything. And it just it crushes my soul, partially because we've been together for a million years. But the other side of it is, is if I don't feel like you believe in me, then how can I perform on the team? You know? Because I've already lost. I, I've already lost. And so I have to look at him and say, do you believe that I, I can be the woman that you need me to be? Do you believe that I can be the spouse that I need to be? Do you believe that I can be the mother that I need to be? Do you believe in me? What am I asking? Because, see, the Bible says that love bears all things, believes all things, wow. hopes wow. all things, endures wow. all things. Wow. I'm asking, do you love me? Wow. wow. Do you love me? Wow. Are you willing to truly 
love me. And, and it's so important that we understand that those lies of the enemy invade all of our lives, don't they? It doesn't matter if you're married or you're not married. That's, that's the thing. You know, do you love me? Are you for me? It's so easy to start thinking that we're battling against flesh and blood. But we don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against principalities and powers and rulers in high places, right? So we are always battling the enemy. We're not battling each other. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we we can talk about marriage and and we can, uh, you know, people say, wow, man, everything that y'all share, I just, wow, I wish I would, you know, know this or wish we could do this or wish we could do that. You just don't understand. Like what we talk about here, I mean, we just said that in I mean, I just said two minutes about, hey, you being on my team. Do you know how you know how long it took us to come to that conclusion? Do you know how many hours of conversation we had to talk? What are you feeling? Why does this? What 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 is going on right now? Wow, is it, it? It didn't just come down to, oh, you're not on my team. Oh, okay, I'm going to tell you you're on my team. Okay, great. Well, we have a wonderful, happy marriage now. I'll just tell you I'm on my team. No, that took hours and hours and hours. And in, in the same for destiny to figure out what are you feeling? How did we come? She, we didn't, just didn't sit down one day and she came to this conclusion. Oh, wow, I just didn't know that you believed in me. And I just need to know you believe in me. And I say, oh, I believe in you, babe. Okay, great. Ten minutes. We solved that marriage problem. No, no, no. Hours and hours of what? Work. Talking. Rehashing. Revisiting. Going around the same conversation, still going, nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. We're continuing this conversation. Okay, we'll go to bed. We'll have it again tomorrow because we still haven't come to the conclusion that we need to come to. There's still not the solution that we need. Let's revisit this again, and let's continue to work and work and work until we can nail some of these things down. Now, that works in your marriage, but it also works with your children you got to have conversations over and over again to know what they're feeling and know what they're thinking and know what they're seeing and know, what, know, know where they're going. You have to have this conversation with, 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 your, with your friends and your brothers and your sisters. It's all about conversation so that we can really get to a place where we can really be what the other person needs us to be. What do you need me to do for you? What do you need? That's, that's going to be conversation. Who do you need me to be right now? These are things that we've all learned. Do you need me to coach you right now or do you need me to encourage you? Because those are two different things. Because if she comes to me with an issue and I think she wants to be coached and I start coaching her and what she really wanted me to say was, baby, it's going to be okay. You're going to figure it out. You're going to make it. God is faithful. And so I just, we we don't have those conversations anymore because it's like, babe, what do you need right now? Do you need me to coach you? Do you need, do you need me to speak to that thing? Do you, what, what is it that you need? She goes, I just need to be encouraged right now. So I say, babe, let me tell you what, you're going to make it. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But that didn't just happen. It was the first time she came, and I coached her, and then she walked off, and I thought, I thought that was pretty good advice. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you're an idiot. What are you thinking, you know? And I'm like, well, I thought you wanted to be coached. No, I don't want to be coached. I just need to be encouraged right now. But you know what? Whenever she needs to be coached, and I just go, and she wants to be coached. She wants to be fired up. She wants to be motivated. She wants to be inspired. And I'm just like, oh, come here, baby. It's going to be okay. She's like, I don't want to be Okay. <laughs> I need you to tell me. What do I need to do? What I, I need to be inspired. I need to be motivated. I need to be coached. I want to go to the next level. What am I not seeing? What am I not building upon? What am I missing right now in my life? And if I think she wants to be encouraged when she really needs to be coached, then we're going to spend our time walking around, walking around, walking around. And so we had to come to these conclusions about, okay, just tell me what you need right now. And once you tell me what you need, I'll give you what you need. And that, did, that didn't just happen. That wasn't just an epiphany. We didn't read that in a book and go, ooh, wow. That, 
that took that took work. Yeah. Work in our relationships, in every relationship in your life, especially your marriage, but every other relationship, it takes work like that if you're going to maximize the relationship. And, and you know, it's, we have to stop judging our relationships and even judging ourselves on the hypothetical good marriage. Yeah. Can we just... We, we are all different, right? And everybody's relationships, parental relationships, marriages are going to look slightly different. Now, there's non-negotiables. There's a standard of behavior that's in the Bible that we all have to abide by, period, end of story. We don't even need to talk about it anymore. But it's going to look different. Yeah. can't tell you how many couples, and, and women in particular, that I counsel, and they're so disappointed in their husbands because he's not the man of God that they think he should be. You aren't the leader of the home. You aren't the the. You aren't the the. Well, one, can I just say, ladies, that men don't play games that they can't win? So if you've already decided they're a loser, then, then they're not going to even play. So th there's that. But even more than that, I remember there was a girl not long ago, and, and she said, well, my husband doesn't, doesn't take the initiative. He doesn't pray over me every day. He doesn't read the Bible for me every day. He doesn't do devotions for me every day. He doesn't do all these things for me every day. I said, guess what? Neither does mine. She just looked at me and was like, but you're a pastor. <laughs> I said, you know what? Do you know how many men I know that do that? Hardly any. Do you know how many women I know who remember? who grab their husband's hand and say, hey, will you pray for us before you go to work? Hey, will you read this Bible for us before you work? Hey, why don't I read this for us tonight? Hey, why don't I grab the kids and pull them in? Hey, why don't, do you know, most? Well, men are failing. I don't think so. I, I've come to the conclusion, I don't think so. I think women are trying to put it all off on them. Because you know what? If God gave you the desire for your family to have a devotional life, then why don't you just buck up, put on your big girl panties, and make it happen? Come on, somebody. Amen. You can say whatever you want. You're, you're the pastor. Say whatever you want. But seriously. Yeah, that's right. You know? That's right. Encourage him. Let him be who he needs to be. Bring him along. If you got that great example in your family, then bring him along into that great example. Let's have love and kindness and room for each other and everybody involved in everything. Why not in our relationship? Because the thing is, is we're not looking for him to complete us. So why do we suddenly get married and lose our ability to function for ourselves? Wow, man. So important that we continue to love each other, that we continue to work together, and that we build that found, firm foundation in our homes, that we build that firm foundation, and that we allow each other to evolve. Because if we grow intentionally and we grow together, we're going to change. But our habits can stay the same. Mm. We can continue to love big. Mm. You know, most, most of marriage is about just staying at that table. You know, you have that fight, and you just want to get up from the table and just kick the chair, and you want to walk over in your corner. Nobody does that. Great. Awesome. <laughs> All alone over here. You, and it's about going, no, march back over. Yeah. 
Sit down and continue the conversation. March back over. Sit down. Continue the conversation. Stop getting up quite as much. Keep coming back and back and back and back. And eventually, God does so much in you that you think he's changed your spouse. Wow. (laughs) That's good. That's good. That's good. The last thing that that, that I want to say just... uh, is is in marriage and in life and relationships you have to learn how to deal with disappointment you have to learn to deal with disappointment because there will be an opportunity every week for you to be disappointed in a child for you to be disappointed in your spouse you have to learn how to deal with disappointment um um, can i share this story about carolina lee from office you know i um um, last week, um, Carolina Lee was in my office and we were working on some, some math problems. And so, uh, we were going like, I would write like, you know, 23 and then just add a zero. So then it would be 230, 2,300, 23,000. And so she was kind of going through all of them. And we'd erase and we'd do the exact same thing in, in the exact same pattern with just different numbers. And so she was going through and she would always get stuck on, on the hundred. She would get everything else. But, but whenever it was the three numbers, she would always try to put the first two numbers together. So if it was 230, she would say 23, zero. You know, she, she just couldn't fit 230. No, no, no. Okay, 23, zero. So we're working, man. I just drilling her, drilling her, drilling her. So then we finished the, these exercises, and I wrote a number on the board, and uh, it was like, you know, 5,431. And I said, if you say the number exactly right, we're going to go right now for a milkshake. I said, now think about it. Look at it. Don't forget, what's the number in front of the comma? I said, Gavin, give her a little hand. What's the number in front of the comma? She says, 1,000. I said, okay, think about it. Don't say it because you get one chance. You get one chance to get it right. And if you get it right, we're going right now for a milkshake. So she says, you know, 5,043. Dad, can we cover up that last number? <laughs> she knew. She missed it. Uh, 5,043. Uh, um, one, I, she, dad, dad, can, can I, can I ha- have another chance? I said, no, babe, you don't get another chance. The rule was, the game was you had one chance to get it right. Man, I see those eyes getting a little watery and, and, and her chin drops just a little bit. And she is in my office and she, she walks back. Uh, uh, the girls have just like a little bitty, um, little bitty kind of office area back there and behind, behind my little bookshelf. Um, and, uh, and so they, they kind of walk back there and, and I let her stay for just about two seconds back there. And I caught her back out and she comes back out and, um, and I said, uh, Carolina, what's, what's going on? And then the, now, now, whenever I asked her that, now the water in her eyes, now it's running down her face. And, and she's got her, her sleeves on, and she's wiping her sleeves. And she's like, Dad, I, I don't understand why the water is coming out of my eyes. <laughs> and I said, it's, it's because you're disappointed. Because you're disappointed. So are you disappointed that you didn't get it right? She nods her head. And I said, uh, I just went on and just began to teach her. I said, babe, this is what losing feels like. You had a chance to win and you had a chance to lose. And you played the game and you lost. 
And I said, this feeling that's making you sick to your stomach right now, it's the feeling that you get whenever you lose the game. And you really wanted that milkshake, didn't you? And she's just nodding her head. Tears are coming down. Her her chin's quivering a little bit. And I said, you really wanted that milkshake, didn't you? And she's nodding her head and still wiping her eyes. And and I said, but you didn't get it, did you? You lost. She said, I I didn't get it. And I lost. And and I said, "Um, I said, babe, I don't ever want you to forget this feeling. And, man, I've never seen my five-year-old daughter lock in on me the way that she was locked in. Her eyes never drifted from my eyes. Her head never turned one way. She was tears running down her face, but she never stopped. She was fully engaged with me. And I said, baby, I said, listen, this is a good thing because what you have to learn is in life you have two ways to respond to what you're feeling right now and people make two choices one group of people they walk away and they say man I'll never figure it out and I'll never be smart enough and they feel sorry for themselves and they never want to try again because they never want to feel what you're feeling right now but baby that thing that you're feeling right now once again she's just like I said that thing can be what has driven your daddy all of his life. It's driven him to succeed and it's driven him to be the best that he could be and it's driven him so the next test that he would take he would make a better grade and the next chance he had for the milkshake he would get the milkshake and the next time he could win the trophy he would win the trophy. It has driven him all of his life because he never wanted to feel that thing again and so it's pushed him to be the very best that he could be in every single phase of his life and she is just locked in on me. Tears coming down her face and and that little chin quivering, and she starts to talk. And she, she can't talk because her voice is cracking. Dad, Dad, whenever my voice gets like this, I, I just need a minute. I said, okay. She walked back around there into her little office area, and I heard her talking. And she comes right back out of that area. 30 seconds later, Dad, are you ready to go? Hey, make sure that you don't forget my little thing here. Make sure you put that in your bag for me and, 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 and don't get all your stuff and, and let's go. And I'm just like, what, what, what happened? Like, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm shocked. And, and, and I, said, um, I said, Carolina, I heard you talking to yourself back there. Well, what did you what did you say? She said, "Well, well, that that I was I was that was just for me." And I said, "Okay, babe." I said, "Look, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell me. Whatever. I mean, I'm like I'm just amazed at the transformation. I don't know what you said, but it was good." And she says, "Dad, I just did what you always tell me to do." And I said, "What was that?" She said, "I just talked to myself." And I said, well, what did, you, what did you tell yourself? She said, Dad, I walked back there, and I said, Carolina Lee, I'm sorry that we lost. But you're okay. You're okay. You're okay. And she said, Dad, guess what? I'm okay. And I'm like, come here, baby. But it was, a, it was a powerful moment on dealing with disappointment. Yeah. A powerful moment. 
just because you didn't get what you wanted doesn't mean that you can't have the right response. Just because you didn't get what you thought you deserved then doesn't mean that you won't get it later. You know what she told me the other day? She said, Dad, when are we going to play that game again? She said, I'm going to get my milkshake. And I know one thing about her. She's going to get that milkshake. But we all have to learn how to deal with disappointment. We have to learn how to deal with disappointment in our spouse, deal with disappointment in our relationships. Because if you can deal with it properly, it will make you better and not bitter. It will, it will, it will make you better in every area of your life. But if you don't know how to deal with disappointment and you retreat and you hide and you, and you, you feel sorry for yourself and you feel like I'll never figure it out and I'll never be good enough and I'll never be able to win and I'll never, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never, then you will never be who you need to be. Got to learn how to deal with disappointment in all of our, uh, of our things. And, and the Holy Spirit is a big part of that. The Holy Spirit is a big part of that. And I'm about to talk about gonna, the Holy you're Spirit. You're going to talk about the Holy Spirit for a minute. In just a moment. But, you know, as you were talking about that, about dealing with disappointment, I think that's why the Bible makes such a big deal about us living in forgiveness. Mm. You know, Jesus didn't just talk about forgiving. He talked about living in forgiveness. He yeah. talked about forgiving 70 times 7 every day. And, and it's not just forgiving on the outside, it's forgiving yourself. It's forgiving yourself for losing. It's forgiving yourself for bad choices in the past that have put you in a place where you have to fight harder than maybe you think you should have to fight at this stage of your That's life. Right. It's forgiving other people for what they've done or what they didn't tell you or yep. what they didn't teach you, if only you had known and all of these things. It, it is forgiving. And what forgiving allows me to do is to move forward and to believe that God can still do in me whatever he needs to do in me for my future. And that's what it allows because it's so no longer am I using other people as an excuse not to move forward. Mm -hmm. And really in marriage, most of our conflicts come from using the other person as an excuse for our own failure. Mm -hmm. I'm not being kind because you made me angry. Mm -hmm. I'm not being this because you made well, me that. I'm in, in relationships, in, in our parenting and all of that. And when we choose to forgive them and forgive ourselves, then we are able to move forward free and clean of all of the chains that bind us.